Turn with me again today in your Bibles to Revelation, the first chapter. Thank you, Father. Revelation chapter 1, glory to God. I'm going all the way with God. Just want to announce it to you today. I'm not going three quarters of the way. Um, I'm, I'm all God all the time. Amen. I'm one of those. I'm one of those Christians. Hmm? How many would you say I'm one of those? You ever have anybody find out you're, you're uh, full of the Spirit and, and they say, oh, you're one of those. Right? Yes, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. Glory to God. And they say, what church do you go to? And they, you tell them what church, and they say, oh, you go, to, you go to that church. So you're one of those, and you go to that church. Yeah. They, so they think that you're already crazy, to, crazy for God anyhow. So since they already think that about you, just be it. Just be it. Just have all the stops out. You know what that, that saying, you know, that I'm a musician, that, was an, that, that came from organs, you know, used to have stops on them. And pull all the stops out, that means everything's wide open, it's going to make all the sound it can make. Amen. So let's live it wide open, huh? Let's just not hold anything back. Over in the book of Revelation, we'll look in the first chapter here in the very first verse, and it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. I like that statement. There's something about that that kind of attaches itself to the inside of me. Uh, God had Jesus show to his servants things that must shortly come to pass. Friends, we're in a time, we're in an hour, we're in a day where there are things in the body of Christ, there are things in this planet Earth that we're in that must shortly come to pass. God has a plan for you. Understand that this Earth isn't just spinning randomly, and you know. And God said, "I'm going to the beach for a couple thousand years. When I get back, I'll see what kind of shape it's in." No, 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 no. Heaven, you must understand this. Heaven isn't just occupied with worshiping Jesus. Do you know what heaven is occupied with? Oh, my goodness. Do you know if you ever read where, where angels stand on each side of the throne of God and day and night say certain things? And, one, uh, and, and the angels, they'll say to each other, they'll alternate, you know, one side of the throne, they'll, they'll shout it to each other and they'll say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, the, and then what they say after that is, The whole earth is full of his glory. You might say, what's so significant about that? Heaven is occupied with the manifestation of God on the earth. <laughs> you might think we're so insignificant down here. I mean, you know, there's nothing that we do down here, but God just doesn't care. Are you kidding me? Heaven, night and day, is talking about the move of God on earth. Right? What, what does it mean? Holy, holy, holy the, uh, is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Well, the glory is the manifestation of God. Amen. And so uh, this is a big deal, not just for us down here. This is a big deal to your loved ones who went before you to heaven. This is a big deal to a lot of people. 
It's important to heaven that the plan of God for the earth come to pass. And so there are things which must shortly happen. We talked last night about, you know, windows of opportunity. You don't want to be to where the window closes for your generation, and we have to wait. And so uh, we, we talked about some of what God's doing in our day, how he wants to manifest himself. We talked to you, gave you really some keys uh, to that happening. You remember that? And we we're talking about really that some of what he's doing in our day is things that maybe our generation hasn't seen before. And this move is going to be a little different, yet it's going to feature a lot of the same things, but, but yet different in, in its coming together. And uh, just thinking about that verse, I was, so, I was so impacted by that verse over in Joshua where it said, uh, you hadn't passed this way before. And when we see certain manifestations, when we see certain demonstrations of the power of God, well, uh, yes, flow with what God's doing, but don't be presumptuous about what God's doing and assume that because something happened uh, years ago, that we're supposed to respond to it exactly the same today. There's a variety of ways that God manifests, and so there's, uh, that, that means there's a variety of ways that you and I respond to God. Amen. And so what are some of those responses? Well, some of the elementary level responses. How about praise and worship? You know, you have people up here, they're leading praise and worship. Amen. And listen, I was standing on the front row. I wasn't looking at any of you, so I'm not talking about any of you particularly. I don't know. It may be the case that every single person in here engaged their heart and uh, engaged their mouth with the worship that was going on. But I'll just say typically in most churches, that's not the case. Huh? A lot of times, I mean, I've been to churches recent. I'm just thinking of one recently. won't tell you where it is. I don't want to incriminate anybody, but I'm thinking of one place where it was really two different churches. I mean, the, you, had the, the, you had the church of the front two rows, and then you had the church of all the rest of the rows. And I mean, they were completely different groups of people. The first two rows, they were engaged. They were, they were you know, involved in the things of God. The rest of the people were occupying space. Spiritually speaking, that's what the, was getting accomplished. And they're like, it's like banging your head against the wall. Well, I don't want to discourage anybody from coming to where their answer is, but why do you come? Huh? Why do you come if not to, if not to be involved, if not to participate? You know, to, today, uh, today at about noontime, there's going to be an event called kickoff in a lot of cities. They'll have kickoff. And uh, there's going to be two groups of people in, all, in stadiums all around our land today. Huh? I can see that most, that most of you are not excited about that. And that's, that's fine. I don't know how your team's doing. Uh, <laughs> I think they got a, a young quarterback, don't they? But anyhow, whatever. Obviously, you do not know. Um, <laughs> either that or your body's here and the rest of you left. But anyhow, at kickoff, there, there, see, at those football games, there's two classes of people. There are the spectators and there are the participants. There are the participants. Amen. And I'm telling you, the participants, uh, see, the spectators, they pay to be there. The participants, they get paid to be there. <gasps> I'm telling you, if you're a participant in the things of God, it, there are rewards. There, are, there is compensation. Can I say it that way? There's benefit to your life for being a participant rather than just a spectator. 
Amen. It's, it's always so funny, you know, because I've, I've gone to a lot of pro football games for years. I pastored a church in Buffalo, New York, and I lived next to an offensive lineman uh, on, the, uh, on the team for a couple years. Sweet guy, Christian family, I mean, just really nice. And I'd be at church, and I'd, but very unorganized. Got, had like four kids, and, and they were all under, you know, five or whatever. You know, you know how that is when you got the brood, and you're like, uh, but he particularly was unorganized, and so... Uh, sometimes he would have comp tickets, but he'd never remember to tell me about it. So we would come home from church on Sunday. Uh, we'd get, and, you know, of course, you, you finish your sermon, and then you spend time talking to people and maybe having a treat or whatever. And, and uh, I used to, actually, when we started the church, I used to have to stay and clean up too. And then some people came to me. God sent us some help, and they said, Pastor, we've seen you clean. Would you please never do it again? <laughs> so... Uh, so praise God, I didn't have to do that, you know, but, uh, but anyhow, then we'd go home and it'd be about 1230 when we, when we got home, we get home and there's two tickets on our doorstep under, uh, sticking out of a plant, you know, from underneath the plant, there's two tickets on the step of our house, 50 yard line, just about 10 rows up. And, uh, the game starts at one o'clock. Here it is 1230. We're dressed up, you know, but I looked, but we lived right in the town where the stadium was. And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and we looked at the sky, and it was a nice day, and it was like, yeah, yeah. We had a church member live right across the stadium, said, you can park at my house anytime you want to. So, so, so we go. We go. Why was I talking about that? I don't know. But, oh, I know what I was talking about, spectators and participants. Yeah, so I, wa- I was there, but see, I, you know, I was uh, a spectator. Yet, I'll tell you this, the, in a sports venue, the good seats are the close seats. And I noticed this, that the price on my ticket was, uh, of course, uh, we didn't have to pay for them personally, but the price on my ticket was a whole lot than any price I'd ever paid for a ticket. Because uh, the far away seats, you see, those were, the, those were the cheap seats. Everybody wants the front seats. But I found this, you go to a church, and the good seats are in the back. Nobody wants the front seats. Huh? <laughs> Why is that? We got to get to church early so we get a good seat in the back. Hello. Now get under the spout where the glory comes out, huh? If you've never been spit on in a service, you don't know you don't know what it's like to live. You know what I mean? Glory to God. Amen. And so there's things there's things God need wants to do needs to do, but He needs our cooperation. He needs our help to bring these things. To pass. Amen. And, and one, one thing in particular, it's important that you and I learn the different ways that he moves, different ways that he flows, and choose to participate. Do you hear that? Choose to participate in his movement. Move along with him. Don't move apart from him. Huh? This is some of what we talked about last night. Don't just make movement because you learned that movement. Are you hearing me? Move with him. Well, where is him? Where is he? Well, in the believer's life, he indwells you. He's within you. He's on the inside of you. Pay attention to what, you know, as you're paying attention to whatever's going on in the service, pay attention to God on the inside of you. When he makes movement, then that's your cue. When he makes movement on the inside of you, huh? Then that's your cue to move. Now, when it's praise and worship, that is the movement of God, right? When the leadership is up here, 
We talked about how the people watched for the priests and wait, waited to see till the ministers moved. And then they moved. When, when somebody's up here, when we're bringing forth the word, well, that is the movement that's going on. That is the main flow. And so how do you respond to that? Well, you see, you be a receiver, not a resistor. Right? And as a receiver, you respond. It's, it's appropriate to respond. If the word is getting down on the inside of you, the most natural thing for the believer is to say, Amen, glory to God, praise the Lord. I mean, I'll tell you this, if you serve me something to eat that's really good, like what I've had here every single night, you know, I mean, I will respond as I'm eating. I'll, I'll have it in my mouth and I'm going, mm, glory to God, mm, 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 man, mm. you ever have some pie that's just so off the chart and you're like, oh, Jesus, right there in the restaurant, you don't care, you're right there in the restaurant, oh, my Jesus is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Because that pie is so good. Why? Something's getting in you that demands a response. And when the word gets in you, you respond to that word. Amen. But then you see, now we're in the day too where uh, if, the, if the minister is ministering along certain lines uh, or if the service is going a different way where there's manifestations of God. Like we know the first night I was here was what, Thursday night? And I mean, got up here. If you were here, you remember it. If you weren't here, I'll fill you in. I got up here, couldn't speak. And uh, could laugh some, could rejoice some, couldn't speak really. And then uh, the longer I stood up here, the, the worse it got in terms of uh, that heaviness and really that what we call that, that fullness, extreme fullness. And see, that was a flow of rejoicing and, and really drinking in of the things of God to, to the point of spiritual drunkenness. Well, see, that's a flow that not a, people, not a lot of people like, but it's a necessary flow. And people believe, you know, people say, I, listen, I don't believe in that undignified stuff. Well, you go to the bar and you act that way. Why can't, huh? huh? I found this, and again, I'm leaving, I'm flying out of town soon, so, I, you know, and, and I, know, I know pastor knows how to take care of me, protect me, praise the Lord. I found this, that the people that get most irritated at other people's fullness are the, are the ones who are using other things to get themselves full anyhow. Hmm? Could you smile, let me know, you know, you know, all that shouting in church. I just don't like all that shouting. Well, let's go to your house and see how much of it happens because I guarantee you're shouting somewhere. Huh? I guess that's all I'll say about that, really. But how much of a church do you want next week I mean, to still be here? Praise the Lord. No, you know what I'm saying. It, listen, these are important things. These are important things. You might say, well, what's so important about uh, you know, people falling on the floor, rolling on the floor? Listen, do you ever read the Bible? You ever read in the book of Acts how over in the third chapter, Peter and John were on their way? to the gate called, uh, to the temple for the hour of prayer. They passed by the gate. They called it the beautiful gate. It must have been pretty. They called it the beautiful gate. And there was a man laid there daily 
crippled in his feet, lame in his feet, crippled from his mother's womb, who sat there and asked alms. And, and so they laid him there daily. Obviously, Peter and John went by there on a regular basis. Everybody knew this guy, right? But this day, this day, the man asked for a donation from Peter and John, and Peter, something about something stopped him. What was that something? What was that something? That something was something called the anointing. God moved on the inside of them. Instead of just walking by when, when he, or instead of just ignoring him when he was begging for money, <laughs> Peter stopped and said, silver and gold, I have none. He didn't bring it for them. He wasn't giving them his tithe. That was going in there. He meant I have none for you. Silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man, for over 40 years, a cripple, was healed. Now, do you like that or do you not like that? Huh? Who would you heal if you were God? <laughs> oh, I'd heal everybody. Wait, well, you're not better than he is. Come on, what do you think his heart is? So, uh, you might say, what does that have to do with what you're talking about before? Well, I'll tell you in a second. We want to see those kind of miracles. We want to see what happened in Acts chapter 3, right? Well, see, before Acts chapter 3 is a little something called, I like to call it Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples in the upper room getting full to the point of overflowing. Getting, getting really inebriated with the power of God, inebriated, saturated with the Spirit of God in the upper room. And people a lot of times don't make the connection. If there had been no Acts chapter 2, there would be no Acts chapter 3. huh? If they hadn't gotten full to the point of saturation with the things of God, they would not have been in position to pick up on what God was doing when He dealt with him outside in front of other people coming in Get that crippled man up and get him healed. See, we, we, have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of concepts in our mind about how these things work. Well, when God decides to send the revival, we'll just go in and clear out the hospitals. Listen, the things of God, uh, they're very consistent. He works certain ways. They're spiritual laws. You have to cooperate with his power. Amen. And so that's why every way that God moves and every way that he flows and works is something that's precious to us. Amen. So we want every way that he moves and works, we want it. We don't want things that are fake. We don't want things that are false. We want the genuine flow of God all the time and want to be participating in it. Amen. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Now, how many have ever looked on uh, your phone on the Maps application and found your own location? Uh, you, you look to see, where am I? And you put it and you say, okay, I'm, I'm here. That's where I thought I was. Right? And you see the little dot, and that dot is you. But you know, uh, you, can op you can take your fingers and pinch out that, or, or pinch in that map, rather, and make it really big. And then all of a sudden, uh, your dot, in comparison with the rest of our country or the rest of our world, gets, gets pretty, seems pretty insignificant, pretty small. Right? Well, I've talked to you about your place and your job and your importance, but I want to pinch the map out a little bit. And can we look a little bit at the big picture 
of this thing before we're done here today. So everything I've said really, just introduction. Now here's the message. Are you, are you okay? Start, start the timer in your mind now. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll have you go to the fifth chapter of James. Because, uh, see, what God's doing today is important, but there's a bigger picture that I want us to look at. There's a goal of it all. Could I say it that way? Thank you, Lord. Isn't God our helper? There's things, friends, that must shortly come to pass. Whether they do or not is more up to us than it is to the Lord. You might say, I don't believe that. Well, you, you believe unscripturally then. Uh, what we're saying is based on the word we've given you scriptures over the last couple of days here. Amen. What God wants to do depends more on us than it does Him. Amen. Just for the simple reason, He always does His part. Amen. Over in James chapter 5. Now, let's look to see what's the big picture. What's, what's the goal of everything that's going on? I mean, what, why, why is everything we're talking about at issue today? And why is this stuff happening? Verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and he has long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. The coming of the Lord draws nigh. Uh, if you read the Amplified Translation of that eighth verse there, it says the coming of the Lord is very near. The coming of the Lord is very near. So what is the goal of everything that we're moving towards in the plan of God? The goal, my friends, is Jesus is coming back. Amen. Now, you might say, why should that be important to me? Because it's vitally important to the Lord. I said it is important to God. If it's important to God, it ought to be important to you. Huh? Let me say it again. If it's important to God, it should be important to you. Amen. Do you know that there's special reward reserved for those who love his appearing there's special crowns jewelry can i even i mean aren't the ladies even interested in that i mean special reward for those who love his appearing i want you to know i'm getting mine i'm getting mine and if you don't want yours i'll take yours too I'm getting mine. Say it with me. I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine. Tell your neighbor, you can't have my jewels. No. I, I mean, st st stuff you've never seen here on this earth. And it's reserved. It's reserved for the, for the people who love His appearing. Thank you, Father. And so, verse 7 tells us, be patient. 
therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The goal of our era, the, the end of, of the era that we're in, the time we're in, there's a goal line towards it. We're moving along a path, and the end of that path is this event where Jesus comes back for his church. Jesus comes back for his church. Amen. That's the next thing that happens in, uh, in, the, in the plan of God, the next big event. Amen. You know, it's been said that all of history hinges on two great events, the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. Well, how many know we're in between those two? Amen. But we are in what the Bible calls the last days. We're not approaching the last days. We are in the last days. If I had time, which I don't have time this morning, I could prove that to you from the Scripture. Amen. And you would have no doubt ever again that we are in the last days. But the Bible tells us so. Amen. And so uh, the first instruction he gives us for the end times is be patient. Now, I have to tell you what that means, uh, because uh, the, that word in Scripture is used differently than we use that word. So if you have little kids, how many here you, you have or have had little kids at some time? Okay. How many, how many of you have little ones right now? Okay. A handful of you. And so you know this. If you go on a car trip and it's a five-hour car trip, you know that five minutes into that car trip, they ask a question. Five minutes. You've been traveling for five minutes, and the question comes from the back seat. Are we there yet? And because they didn't even make it five minutes... You say, no, honey, don't ask me that again. Just be patient. And what you mean when you say patient, what you're telling them is you are not qualified to be clocking this trip because of how long you just lasted. So disengage, right? Here's an iPad, disengage. Am I correct? Huh? disengage, don't even think about it because you tell them we'll get there when we get there. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't be engaged with this thing. That's what you mean when you say be patient. Friends, that is not what the Bible means when he says be patient. God's not telling us just disengage, just forget about this whole thing. It'll happen when it happens. That is not what God's saying, but that's, look, that, that, how many would say that you, maybe you yourself or other Christians, you know, that's exactly what they believe where the coming of the Lord is concerned. Hey, it'll happen when it happens. We're just supposed to forget about it and disengage. Not at all. The Bible word for patience, do you want to know what the Bible means when it talks about patience? It's the ability to continue in faith. It's the ability to continue in faith, to keep, to it's, it's the opposite of what we were talking about. It's the ability to stay engaged, right? To stay uh, hooked up in the things of God for as long as it takes. That's what the Bible means when, when it talks about patience. It's not a passive word. It's an active word. We are to be patient. We are to be steadfastly engaged in faith in the things of God, until the coming of the Lord. Now, the big question 
that everybody has about the coming of the Lord? What's the big question that everybody has? When's it going to come? I can tell you when it's going to come. Might not have time today, but I'll tell you exactly when he's going to come. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You might say, was it September? No, it wasn't September. We're still here, are we not? Huh? I know exactly when the Lord's coming. You might say, oh, how do you know that? I read the Bible. And folk are looking at me with a quizzical look on their face saying, brother, don't you know that the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour? Yeah, I read that too. Glory. I didn't tell you I knew the day or the hour, but I know the when in terms of the season, and so will you after today. Praise the Lord. So why? let's just answer it this way. Why hasn't he come? Why hasn't he come yet? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it says, Behold, the husbandman waits. Now, the husbandman is a reference to our Father God. Husband, we don't use that term, husbandman, but you know what it is. It's a farmer. It's a gardener. And uh, Jesus, you remember over in John 15, said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. My Father is the farmer. My Father is the gardener. I'm the vine, my Father. So that's a reference to our Father. Why hasn't Jesus come? Because the Father is waiting. You might say, well, that's no help at all. Well, hang on a second. What's he waiting for? He's, the Bible says he's waiting for something called the precious fruit of the earth. Now, if you've ever done any farming, we don't use that term either, right? We don't use that phrase. I'm waiting for my, the precious fruit of my garden to come up. What, what's another word for precious fruit of the earth? One word. Thank you, whoever said it. Harvest. Harvest. The Father is waiting for something called the harvest. Now, most people believe this. Most people, and I was one of them, that's why I say most people, because I figure if somebody as smart as myself believe this, no, you know, I'm just, hallelujah, you've got to believe the best about yourself. Amen. <clears throat> Most people believe, do believe and do agree that Jesus has not come because the Father is waiting. But they believe that the Father is waiting until the Father gets ready. And when He's ready, He'll send Jesus. How many would say you believe like me that there is a day on the celestial calendar and we're just waiting for, pay, we're just keep peeling pages off the calendar. But when that day comes that has the red circle on it, uh, most people believe that when that day comes, uh, the, the Father's going to say, did you know that it was today already? And Jesus goes, no, is it today? And he said, you better get ready, you're going. And Jesus said, okay, here I go. And most people believe that when that day comes on the calendar, no matter what, that Jesus is coming back. That is incorrect. That is incorrect because it doesn't say, Behold, the husbandman waits until the right day on the calendar appears. Huh? Anybody you admit your thinking's been helped already? 
Because I'll tell you, I believe for a lot of years only because I was taught it, you know. I didn't grow up hearing these things, but when I got saved, I, I, you know, you'd hear this, you hear that, and they'd say, well, yeah, when God gets ready, He'll send Jesus. It's not for us to know when. Says who? It's not for us to know when. Where in the Bible did Jesus say, it's not for you to know? It's not for you to know. What He did say, what He did say in 1 Thessalonians 5.1, He said, of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need for me to write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly well You know what the rest of that verse is? I'm going to mess you up if I tell it to you. You yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. We talk, I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about the thief in the night. You've got to read the book on that. Praise the Lord. It's in there. So, the, so the, listen, the father's waiting. The father's waiting, but he's not waiting on himself. He's not waiting for himself to get ready. Say that with me. He's not waiting on himself to get ready. Do you know God's just born ready? We say, you know, he, I know he wasn't born, but, but God's just always ready. He's always ready to save. He's always ready to heal. He's always ready to provide. He's always ready to deliver. He's just always ready. He's not waiting on himself to get ready. I just can't part with my son again. It's not that. I said it's not that. What's he waiting on? He's not waiting on himself. He's waiting on his harvest he's not waiting on himself he's waiting on his harvest and so uh, there are individuals who have been enlightened to that and they understand but yet it's still possible to think wrong about that and there's people that think okay well he's waiting on his harvest to get ready he's waiting on the harvest to be ready no he's not waiting on his harvest to be ready Jesus do you remember in John chapter 4 he said you say four more months than harvest, but I'm telling you, lift up your eyes and look, for the fields are already white unto harvest. So he's not waiting on his harvest to get ripe. <laughs> Isn't that when you pick the fruit when it's ripe? He's not waiting on his harvest to get ripe. He's waiting on his harvest to be reaped. You want me to say, I hope I'm not losing too many folk this morning. He's not waiting on his harvest to get ripe. He's waiting on his harvest to be reaped. When's he going to send Jesus? Why hasn't he sent Jesus? Because the harvest has not yet been reaped. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about harvest? What does God's harvest look like? Well, God planted a seed. He's planted a seed. The seed was his son. He planted Jesus in the earth as a seed so that he might receive many sons unto glory, the Bible says. So he's waiting on the full harvest of the seed that he planted of his son. Well, what does that, how big is that harvest? I do not know. I do, I do not know at what point uh, the harvest is fully reaped. Amen. There's some things you could say, but I just would be, would be saying them off my head. You know what I mean? But we know this, we're not waiting on the harvest to be ready. Right? How many of you, when you got saved, really thought, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready right now? I don't know about you, I mean, somebody asked me I was, if I was ready, I'd say, absolutely not. But you know, if you accidentally get somebody saved who, who wasn't ready, God will forgive you. 
Amen. If you talk to somebody and you say, they say, no, I'm just not ready to commit to Christ. Tell them, oh, yeah, you are. The Bible said Jesus said you were. Jesus said you were. You're ready. You're ready. If you can hear, amen, you're ready. So he's not waiting on the harvest to be ripe. He's waiting on the harvest to be reaped. Well, guess whose job it is to reap the harvest? That's our job. I said, that's our job. So what's God waiting on to send Jesus? He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. Hmm. Waiting on us. All of a sudden, that puts responsibility on you. I know that just thrills you like it thrills me. Right? How many here, you're not believing for more responsibility than what you already have? But you know it's yours whether you take it or not. He's waiting on us to reap the harvest. Well, you say, well, then we better get busy. We better print the bumper stickers uh, that say, Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? We better get the tracks printed and we better start going door to door. And well, any of those things, if you're led to do them, those are fine things to do. Amen. But there's another, there's another, you know, because how many know each one should be reaching one as we go. There's people in your influence. There's people in your world that you could reach that nobody else is going to have the same influence in their life. Amen. And the number one thing that you can do to reach them is get full of God yourself. So full that God uh, comes out of you. Amen. Jesus is not going to, in most cases, Jesus is not going to come down to earth and talk to the people you work with. But he will through you. I said he will through you. But yet there's another, there's another element besides just each one reaching one that needs to happen. Do you want to know? Huh? Do you have time? Not going to take much longer, but maybe just a few minutes. I mean, part of it's y'all sang so long today. No, that was me. <laughs> Praise God. Well, look right here in the same verse we're in. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive what? The early and the latter rain. Now, the husbandman's waiting for what? The precious fruit of what? The earth. the earth. And he has long patience for that fruit of the earth until it says he received in the King James. But anybody, you have a, a different. Did you have the amplified there? What's what you what is your say, man? Until it receives, until it receives. He is actually a mistranslation. It's not, the word's not even there. Until it receives. Until what received? Until the ground, the land, the earth, the earth receives the rain. How many of you, you've, you've had rain here? Hmm? <laughs> Say, brother, do you not watch the news? Yes, but uh, you were dozing off, so I wanted to make sure you were here. Where did that rain, where did that rain hit? It, that rain went into the ground until the ground couldn't take anymore. 
and then it overflowed the ground. But that's the, that's the first place that received the rain, under normal circumstances. And don't we like normal circumstances? Prefer normal circumstance, normal rain to extreme, right? But under normal circumstances, that ground drinks in the rain instead of your house. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> right? That's normal. The ground receives the rain. The ground receives the rain. Now, when the Bible talks about the early and late rains, what's it talking about? When the Bible talks about rain, it's talking about an intense, sustained outpouring of the power of God. It's talking about an outpouring. It's talking, really, we could say it this way, a revival. Why hasn't Jesus come? God's waiting. What's he waiting on? Not waiting on himself. He's waiting for his harvest. But he's not waiting for his harvest to be ripe. He's waiting for his harvest to be reaped. And the ones that reap the harvest is his body. So he's waiting on his body. Yet the harvest won't be fully reaped without what he called the rain. I said the harvest won't be fully reaped without the rain. What's the rain? The moving and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Can we say this? Can we say this? Jesus hasn't come because we haven't had the fullness of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It's that outpouring of the Spirit that will cause the harvest to be fully reaped. When the, and, and again, I don't want to bring back negative images of water rising, but since you're familiar with it, when water rises, it changes things. It changes landscapes. It changes, it changes how you get from one place to another. It changes everything, and when the water of the, spirit, of the move of God rises from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep to become waters that are over your head that you can only be carried along upon, I'm telling you, it will cause things to multiply quickly. It will cause things to happen quickly, amen, and powerfully, and multitudes will be swept into the kingdom of God. All of the door-to-door -door bake sale, printing materials, sending postcards to the house, those, again, I'm not against any of those. I've done those things myself as we've been led over the years. All of those are good, but none of those by themselves or even altogether are going to reap the harvest. The harvest will not be reaped without the rain. The harvest of God's church, uh, uh, the harvest of the lost, they will not come in without an intense, sustained outpouring of the move of spirit what we call the last days move of God why hasn't Jesus come because we haven't seen the move of God yet well we're just waiting on God to send it no 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 he's waiting on us to cooperate it now can I get back to that statement I made about the rain going into the ground rain is received into the ground now, what does the Bible call ground where the believer is concerned? You ever heard the parable of the sower? Huh? He that receives the seed on rocky ground. Good, uh, what's the other one? Rocky ground, thorny ground, the wayside ground, and then good ground. 
and he defines what's good ground. Those who in an honest and good heart receive the word and bring forth fruit with patience. The ground is your spirit. Amen. Did you ever hear Dr. Dufresne talk about uh, four kinds of dirt, he'd call it? <laughs> Good ground. The ground the word, see, the word, that's how you got saved. The word of God was planted in your heart. You responded to that. Amen. And you were born again. So the ground, uh, the ground receives the rain. Say that with me. The ground receives the rain. Where is God's rain? Where is God's outpouring received? It's not received by the world. They don't know how to receive it. It's received by the church in the ground of their hearts until it overflows. And it, it goes beyond just their inner man to their outer man. Amen. Until next thing you know, you're the one seeing the crippled person and grabbing their hand and raising them. And the harvest is reaped when the church receives God's outpouring and takes it to the world. There should be more of you saying amen to this. I, 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 I hope we're not confusing you today, not trying to be technical. But listen, this is all just in one verse. Why hasn't Jesus come? The Father's waiting. Not waiting on Himself. He's waiting on His harvest to be reaped. But he's wait, not waiting on himself to reap the harvest. He's waiting on the reapers. He's waiting on his church to reap the harvest. But the church can't reap the harvest without the rain. What is the rain? It's the outpouring and the moving of the Spirit of God. Where are we today? What, what are the things that must shortly come to pass? The church must receive, flow, cooperate, become skillful with God's outpouring getting so full and so saturated that the waters of that outpouring rise and rise and rise. And all of a sudden, well, we better get, if we're not going to get swept in this thing, we better get out of here if we're not going to get swept up by this. Come on, and it rises and rises and rises until the harvest around the world is fully reaped. Then Jesus can come again. All I did is read you one verse. It's all right there. It's all right there. When's Jesus coming? I told you, I'd tell you exactly when he's coming. Jesus is coming when the harvest is reaped. But don't think that the harvest will be reaped just because we send a missionary here. We need to do that. We need to do that. The harvest is reaped when the church, not when God decides to send an outpouring, but when his body cooperates with his outpouring cooperates fully, gets to the point where they don't just put up with it once a month because, oh, the pastor had to have his emotional release. Now, No, it's not, it's not an emotional release. It's not the pastor having his monthly time. Hello. <laughs> well, I didn't mean, you could, you could take that different ways. I didn't mean, you know what I mean. It's not just that. No, 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 no. Amen. There needs to be intense, sustained times of outpouring. Amen. And you need to participate. Can you look at one more verse and we'll dismiss you, I promise. 2 Peter, 3rd chapter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah! Hallelujah.
Glory to God. Look at you in 2 Peter 3, look at verse 9. The Lord, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. What's his promise? I'm sending him again. The same Jesus whom you see today will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. That was his promise. Well, why hasn't he come? The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to who? Toward us. Us. Well, what, what do you mean us? We're already saved. Huh? He's long-suffering. Who's he waiting on? He's waiting on us. He, Jesus hasn't come because God's waiting, but he's not waiting on himself. He's not waiting on the harvest to get ready. He's waiting on us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting on us to reap the harvest. Amen. And then verse 12. Oh, I wish I had some other translations here with me. I guess I could look them up. But looking for and hasting unto the coming of of the day of God. Do you see that? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Can I read that to you in, look at this. Listen, can you listen to the NIV here? Listen. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Speed, it's coming. Now, here's what, here's what most Christians do not believe at all. That the timing of the coming of the Lord has anything to do with us. But we've just seen scripture that shows that in a huge way, the timing. When's Jesus going to come? It's up to us. I'm not saying everything's up to us. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that some of the stuff that you see happening in the nations and that the, some of the stuff you see happening in the sky and in the earth, I'm not saying that that has no significance. But that's not, our, that's not the area of our focus. Huh? You happen to remember a year or two ago, the moon started turning different colors, you know? And I mean, Christians got, oh my God, Jesus is coming again because the moon turned red. The, friends, listen to me, the moon can turn every color in the rainbow. And if the church doesn't do our part, Jesus cannot come yet. Now these signs, these, no, no, so, well, Brother Joel, why are these signs? Why are the signs of Israel? Why, you know, why are they out there if they're not our focus? They are signs for the world. They are signs for the lost. But the church must be focused on signs on the inside. What's God doing in our day? And we must do our part. We can speed the day of His return. Here's what I'll leave you with, and this is a sobering thought. If we can speed it up through obedience then it stands to reason that we can delay His coming through disobedience. We can delay His coming by not cooperating 
with the mover. We can say, no, thank you. We don't want the move of God because we didn't think it was going to look like that. We didn't think I was going to have to do that. Never mind, I don't want it. We can do that and delay his coming. And friends, I just, I just believe that the body of Christ has been guilty of that very thing. You know how long it was supposed to take the children of Israel to get through the wilderness? Like less than two weeks. How long did it take them? Forty years. Jesus, on the other hand, got through it in 40 days. <laughs> Amen. Don't know about you, but hey, I'll tell you what. I am not interested in being in the wilderness. I want to be in the river of God as it rises and rises, spills over the shores, and starts sweeping things into the river that never thought they was going to get in the river. Amen. Can you stand up with me today? Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I know if this was a little different than what you're used to, good, that never hurt anybody yet to have different than what you're used to. Amen. Glory to God. But how many received what we, what we said today? I, I, I think I gave you scripture for all of it. Amen. And if, if this got you thinking different, good, you needed to think different. Amen. Father, lift your hands with me and just thank God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our day. Thank you for those things which must shortly come to pass. Help us do our part to where we're involved in increasing the speed of your plan rather than delaying the speed of your plan. We commit to it today in Jesus' name. If you can say amen, why don't you shout it real good.